This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey, welcome to Canine Master Radio on Pet Life Radio. And I'm your host, Chris Anthank. And today I'm joined by Melissa Shapiro. She's a veterinarian. Where we are going to dive into the amazing journey that her and her family have taken with their dog rescue, Piglet. Piglet is deaf and blind. He was born that way. He and the Shapiro family are raising awareness and they're raising money for pet rescue and also for special needs adoption, which is really cool. They're also teaching children, parents, communities, and lots of other people about acceptance and inclusion and kindness and putting lots of smiles on the faces of many people. And they're just making this world a better place, let's face it. This is a great, heartwarming, feel-good story that you're going to want to hear. So stay tuned to Canine Master on Pet Life Radio, and we're going to be right back. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Today, I have the pleasure of having Melissa Shapiro on the show. Melissa is a veterinarian that I've known for a long time, it seems. Um, We're in the same community here in Fairfield County in Connecticut. And as a person who's so inspirational in things that she's doing with pets and specifically dogs and people with disabilities. Melissa, nice to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I'm so glad I finally was able to get you on. I know you've been so busy with all the things you're doing with Piglet. It seems that you have a full agenda with this wonderful little puppy. Well, not a puppy anymore, I guess. No, he is five years old and he turned five in January. And we've had him today happens to be his gotcha day. Five years. March 4th, 2017 is when he arrived. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, there's such a great story here that I want to get into. But, you know, basically, this dog is really changing the way in which we're looking at adopting dogs with disabilities. And, you know, I just finished your book, the book Piglet, The Unexpected Story of a Deaf, Blind, Pink Puppy and His Family, where we follow your story from where you go from childhood to sort of to present, you know, your childhood specifically, I think we, and then meeting Warren, your husband and your children. And it's such a great, great story. I want to talk about um, how you became an advocate for animal welfare and almost like an activist from early childhood. And it became kind of your life mission, you know, from where I saw that you were stepping on ants when kids on the schoolyard were, (laughs) were torturing ants. And you also stopped donkey basketball games in high school. And, you know, you seem to have just been destined to save and be an activist for pets. Well, I have been told that there was an attraction to animals from when I was very young, which I don't remember. But I do remember certainly 
always having an affinity for taking care of animals. And, and I think that one of the things that, at least for me, I somehow find individuals and really delve into their individual situation. And I, I think I did that even from a young age. So in my vet practice, I take a lot of care to take care of each person and each animal as if they were my own and my own dogs and my birds, you know, each one of them gets a very special place and attention, you know, in their lives in my day. But I think as far as the, the special needs disabled part of this goes, maybe coincidentally, or maybe it was going to happen anyway, but my first dog became blind by the time she was middle aged. So I lived with a blind dog. It was normalized for me. We didn't make a big fuss about her when, you know, it was a long time ago. There was no internet. There were no social media support groups for people with animals with disabilities as there are now. And so for me, I was drawn to that. And then going into vet school, I adopted a dog who was, um, April, um, the dog April, April, who was made diabetic in a research lab. And I had her. And again, it was just, you know, I, I, whatever the extra care that was necessary to take care of her, I did. It was just, that was, there was not a discussion or question about it. I adopted her knowing fair, you know, that I was going to have to be giving her shots. And then of course, in my vet practice, I also was particularly keyed into the special needs, the disabled ones, the old dogs and cats that needed extra care. So it's been an interest of mine. I don't know why everyone, some people like blue and some people like red, and this is what I like to do and I enjoy it. And I certainly wasn't planning on getting piglet, but we had a bunch of other, we had a deaf border collie. I've had blind birds and a variety of other disabled pets of my own along the way. And so when he came after we already had a double Merle Australian Shepherd Border Collie mix, who is Gina. And Gina opened up a huge network of people for me to work with in the animal welfare realm, rescuing dogs. I also always volunteered for dog rescue. And, you know, from the time I became a veterinarian, because I was interested, of course, in helping animals in a way that I could, that other people can't. But in any case, I knew the vet who ran the rescue down in Georgia where Piglet came from. So uh-huh. she found me and it, I, I just posted today on our, on Piglet's page. Cause it's his gotcha day. The original email that I got from Gloria, who's a vet down in Georgia, which I is also in the book. And, um, she wanted to know if I knew someone who would be a good fit for him. And I could start crying now. Cause it's very emotional. But I didn't know anybody, but I felt very compelled to say I would foster him. And I told my poor husband that we are going to foster this tiny one pound puppy that fit in my hand, which is not a very big hand. And in fact, he came up here a few days later and we didn't want him. <laughs> and, you know, and no, I, that, I heard but, the whole story. It's just know, ultimately putting all that effort into caring for him when he was a tiny little baby, you know, he had to stay and again, opened up doors and just opportunity to be helpful and network and advocate and educate for animals with disabilities and um, special needs. Through Piglet, I have people literally all around the world who are adopting animals that are deaf and blind or both one leg paralyzed because they see Piglet and they also see the network of people that we have that have animals like that, that are similar to us advocating for them and showing people that it's a good thing to have them and we don't want to euthanize them. Yes. Yes. You know, it's interesting in your book, you talk about how some people will call puppies 
breeders. And you talk about that. And I, I've actually been, uh, I've, I've raised Dobermans over the years. And one of the breeders, we had a dog that was deaf and he wanted to uh, cull that puppy, basically euthanize the puppy. My oldest son locked him out of the house, threw him out of the house and locked the door. <laughs> said, you're not doing that to our dog. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you know, terrible, terrible thing. You have how many dogs in your house now? Eight? Is that is no, that no, you... no. There's only seven. There's seven. So you just got you just adopted a new yes. dog, a street dog, right? Yes. We had Susie, our very old dog, who you actually came and did a private training session with Susie, all of eight pounds of her, because she kept yes. running out the door. I remember. Put the electric fence in around our regular fence. Well, and I did, I taught her the emergency recall of here because she kept going after chipmunks at our front door. And, and, you know, I could call her with that doggone smart here, emergency recall, if she would be headed towards a road, just not running away from us at that point and later in her life, but just to get her attention, she would come back to me face to face with a skunk in my backyard, turned around and came back to me. Anyway, she died in April, which of course we were very upset about. And that's almost wow. a year already. And we're still pretty upset about it, but we had already six other dogs. So we weren't planning to get another dog. She came into our, she, our house and loved other dogs. We had two at the time. And when they died, she was just depressed as a dog could be. So we started adding dogs and she welcomed each one. So I say gentle kindness, she brought each one into her group. And so then we had six dogs over a few years as our kids left for college, we replaced them with dogs. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so then we, we had six dogs and then Piglet came. And of course then, they were all you very seven, kind yeah. to Piglet. You know, it's so funny. Your husband, Warren is a big part of day-to-day -day taking yeah. care of the animals, right? No, finding them to keep. <laughs> I take oh, care is that of what it is? <laughs> Okay. I, I just know that you guys had been together for a long time and I thought that he was really helping you with the dogs, but I now guess he that... helps. He helps. I walk them. I feed them. I see. He holds piglet for hours a day. Uh, it's a huge help. Okay. Gosh, it must be like a full-time job with, with the seven. And then you have a bunch of birds as well. Well, I did. Yeah. They're the bird population has uh, also diminished to one. Well, but yeah. I did have a bunch of rescued house sparrows with a house sparrows, yeah. shed a house outside for them to live in for a couple of them. But so the birds are the sparrows. I lost the last two in October and November. They were 11 and a half and 13 and a wow, half. Wow. That's and amazing. And I have one parakeet left, but we did. Warren is, he is responsible for this seventh dog now that just came in the, the street uh, dog from California who we love. You know, in your book, you talk about, which I think is really interesting, you know, why your journey to become a vet and, and how and how you take this sort of approach to medicine, um, where you specialize in like senior dog care and, and you treat both the physical and the emotional lives of dogs and also the people that own them. It's, I think it's a really interesting subject. You know, I would love to dive into that a little bit with you in a moment, if you wouldn't mind, because I, I think it's really interesting to see how someone becomes a vet. My youngest son wants to become a vet. And I think that it's a really interesting story how you did that. So Melissa and I are going to dive into her journey to become a vet and how she takes this holistic approach to medicine, where she specializes in senior dog care, treating both the physical and emotional lives of dogs and people that own them. We'll be right back after a few words from our sponsors. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. 
The cat tree tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You know, there's a great quote in your book, Melissa, from Dr. Foodman, and I thought it was really interesting. If you like animals, work in a zoo. If you like people, become a vet. People take care of animals and love them. People make the decisions for animals. You know, and I think that is really true. I think a veterinarian and a dog trainer, the only occupation where you're treating two species at the same time, (laughs) you must feel a real connection with both people and dogs, I assume. You know, the way that I've approached my job as a vet is that I treat my patients as if they were my own. So I I only recommend or do things that I would do if they were mine. So I think that that sort of sets the tone for good communication with people, explaining to them what's going on with their pets and what their choices are. And and it doesn't mean that they're going to choose what I offer as plan A, but I always feel like there's a way to compromise and not immediately jump to euthanasia, say, because somebody doesn't have enough money to care for their pet, to do surgery. I mean, there are cases where it's necessary to have money, but in the overall picture, I think that it's really important to look at the big picture. Sometimes I say to people, if you handed me a million dollars, I'm not going to do these tests on your dog because the dog is ancient. It's a, it's a 15 year old dog with five other problems. And now we're going to worry about a new problem. Let's figure out how to palliate and move that animal ahead so that you can still enjoy them and keep them as long as you can. That's the kind of approach that I take. Right. Which is a great approach. I mean, I think that a lot of times, you know, we, we get so much into the treatments that we miss sort of what we're there for in the first place, you know? So, you know, one of the things that I I also find is that veterinarians are in a regular practice, see one patient after another all day long, 15 minute, 20 minute appointments. And a lot of times they really don't have time to sit down and look at the whole big picture. And I structured my career doing house calls, which gave me a lot of extra time to spend with people, which I did. And I think I, I did hone my skills to some extent because I had the opportunity to do that. So sometimes I talk to people that aren't my regular clients and patients, and they're having trouble deciding what to do, or if they're going to the right vet or whatever it is. And I say to them, you know, let's just sit down and go over the whole thing. And I I find that sitting down with them and sort of interpreting and giving them different points of view, different approach to the problem is really helpful to them. And it moves them to different places where they didn't realize were there were other opportunities and or options to treat or manage their their animals. You know, you treat a lot of older dogs, right? I mean, I think that's a big part of your practice, as far as yeah. I know, right? Yeah, I think for older dogs, it's better for house calls. I would think, you know, instead of uh, sort of seeing the dog in that environment and yeah. and uh, not disturbing that older dog. Um, near well, its- it evolves. It the, the house call practice evolved 
too, you know, gravitated towards taking care of older animals. And one of the advantages of taking care of older animals in their house is that they're comfortable, as you point out, they're comfortable, they don't need to be moved, but there's a lot to see in a house that when they when the people bring them into the vet hospital, the vet does not see like a large stair, maybe five or six steps going out the back door to the yard. And you've got a dog who can't walk and they're sending the, these people are sending the dog down. Well, I can't carry this way. You need a ramp because your dog is about to kill himself. Well, yes. And also footing on the floors. Um, sometimes there are, you know, there are simple solutions. People say, you know, my blind dog doesn't know what to do there. You know, he's getting lost on my house. I said, well, you know, your house is gigantic. You need to corral them in, put some gates up, let them get used to this area and then move them, you know, increase the area where they can um, move about. So just things like that, or it's nice to be able to be a little bit more relaxed in, in, in addressing these issues with people. And that's been a lot of fun for me in my vet practice. The other thing, I mean, we see this in our behavioral work, you know, is, you know, we can't treat necessarily all behavioral issues at my canine center. We got to get into the home and see how the dog's living. So I guess it's very similar in that way, which is, which is true. And I can see that with, with the older dogs, you know, one of the most important services that I know you offer and I've used is, and is a little touchy, but you know, is people that need at the end of life need to euthanize their dogs or or, are struggling with that decision, that sort of life end of life decision, and then giving their I think the best gift they can give their pets of all, which is, you know, the love and respect to, to die peacefully, uh, sort of a final act of love. And I know that you do a big thing with this euthanasia. I, I know in our area, that's some, you're somebody that we call. Can you talk a little bit about this? Yes. I actually also evolving a house call practice, things kind of moved to end of life care as well as taking care of senior pets. And one of the things that I've offered is first of all, in-home euthanasia, which is, is what you're talking about. People want vets to come to their home. They don't want to take their animals out. Although there are a few that do not want it at their house. They don't want to have that last memory in their house. So I will meet people at the vet hospital and set things up in a comfortable way on the floor with blankets and that sort of thing. But in the home, I will go. And first of all, I offer quality of life consults so that when people aren't sure they have a vet, they're talking to their vet, but they're not going to do a house call. I will go and see their dog or cat and say, you know, things seem to be stable here. Keep in touch with me now as things change. I've seen your pet. You let me know and we can come to where the end is going to be. And then I go and euthanize the animal. So that is a nice sort of um, gradual (laughs) direction to go, you know, towards the end. But when I go, I think people are um, very, very appreciative, especially a a lot of times people get into a situation which you sent me somebody where there's an emergency. Right now, the dog is in that dog (laughs) that you sent me long ago was in a terrible situation. Right. It was an emergency and I happen to be available to go. And I do find that on occasion where I get there and and I, I really feel like this should have been done a little sooner. But most of the time when we're in touch, getting towards the end, we time it so that it works well. And we can't predict ever exactly what's going to happen to an animal at the end. But if we know there's a chronic disease going on and and the animals are getting sicker and, you know, we try to time it so that we let them go before they get into the final phase of death, which is painful for them and for the people to have to watch. And it's a very kind way to put animals, you know, move them to, to, uh, in a peaceful way with anesthesia first, and then one injection and they, and they go to sleep and, and they're comfortable in their own home with their people around them. Yeah. I mean, you and I have, um, 
been together on certain some some of these over the years and um where i've had clients with dogs that may have had certain issues um, and then we're together and it, it really it's never fun but it's the kind of thing where you feel as though at the end you go you know the dog's in a better place and i that's so cliche to say that but it truly it is. Um, yeah you do feel that way i think yeah you know there are some cases also where we are making decisions about animals and it's not a disease that's right going to kill them eventually. Sometimes it, look at there are diseases that they are not going to die from, you know, a, a nasal tumor, they're going to suffer before they ever get near death. So we, we let them go peacefully so that they don't have to suffer and, and be uncomfortable anymore. But then there are behavioral issues, which you know, and I try to be sympathetic to the people. They can't have a hundred pound dog biting every kid that walks uh, into their house. Yeah, Everyone has a different uh, view of those. We don't take that lightly. That's for sure. Absolutely. And those are things that I'm so happy they don't, don't happen a lot for us, but you know, because of the kind of work that I do on aggression, it does, it does creep up on us. And so it's not fun. You know, I want to talk to you. You've taken dog training classes at Dog on Smart. And I, I saw you mentioned me in the book a couple of times in our facility at Dog on Smart. But you know, you were using some techniques uh, in your training of Piglet, you know, and how do you train a blind and deaf dog? I really want to get into that a little bit with you. And maybe you could sort of go through on some of the techniques that you're using and some of the ways in which Piglet learns about his, his environment. I think it's really interesting for us all to, to listen to because having a deaf and blind puppy comes with its own certain situations of learning that is not a, like a regular dog. So um, maybe we could talk about that for a moment. Sure. You know, really, he's much more like a regular dog than he is different. He needs to be kept safe. That is a priority when you have a dog that's this disabled in this way. He will fall downstairs that he's not aware of. He will bump into things and he will walk into the street, obviously. So, and he's also teeny, this particular dog. There are larger dogs that are deaf and blind who have uh, much more ability to maneuver about in an environment compared to him who piglet who was six and a half pounds but so the basis of our educational program which is called piglet mindset comes from people watching videos a teacher in particular who saw my videos of piglet learning to map his environment learning to respond to tap signals that I was teaching him. And that is because he, individual piglet, approaches his life in a very positive way with great determination to connect and be part of where he is and know where he is. So when we watch him, and this is inspiring to kids, it's also a lesson for kids to see that an animal with disabilities, that whether they're learning disabilities or other disabilities that kids might have, they can also be positive as they approach their own challenges. So that's the basis of our piglet mindset. And then going back to how we communicate with him and how he does it, he was trained, I call it taught with uh, clicker training. I just right. didn't click because he can't hear and I couldn't use any hand signals because he can't see them. So right. I have a dog who can't see and hear. And the only way to really communicate with him is by touching him, direct contact with him. So when Piglet needed to learn to sit, which he learned, I think in the first day or two that, that he was here. And I knew I was going to do that because I have a lot of friends with deaf blind dogs and I saw what they had done with theirs. So I knew that it was going to be pretty basic. I was a little bit scared. I have to admit that, you know, was this going to be easy or not? And was he going to be a dog that was going to be able to maneuver about? I, I had no idea. It was teeny. He was bit in my hand. But teaching him sit, as you know, and I wrote this in the book and I give little demos of Piglet doing his tap signals. You hold a treat up above his nose. His butt goes down. You do it a few times. Tap him. Give him a, a note. Instead of a, a click, I give him a little tap on his chest and hand him a treat. You know, so he's doing the trick, he's getting the treats. I add the click, or the, uh, the tap, 
And then, you know, he's uh, sitting and I'm tapping him on his lower back and he knows now that that means sit. And it took about five minutes, just like any puppy. So you lure in the very yeah. beginning. So you yeah. lure with a treat. And then if you were teaching the sit, you'd bring the treat up over his head towards his rump. When his rump touched the ground, the tap on the chest is like the click, which means the treat's coming, right? Right. Okay. And then I added the actual signal. And I did do this a little backwards, I have to say, because usually you're, you're clicking when you're handing them the treat. So they're now associating the treat with the click. I actually added the click, the okay. I didn't have it immediate. So he didn't learn it exactly the way that, that we're saying, but it was all kind of simultaneous anyways. But once his butt went down and he knew that I was actually trying to get him to sit, which took a few times only, I started tapping his, uh, just above his tail on his, uh, over his hips. And he knew sit within a few times. He, he's very smart. and he Very smart. Learn very food motivated. So and that's he, great. And he that's learned great. that. And then I taught him to wait just by standing in front of him for a few seconds, giving him an okay and a treat, a few more seconds, okay, and a treat. And then within, again, a very short time, he was sitting for longer than just a few seconds, I started to step back. And each time I went back to him, gave him his little okay tap on his chest and a treat. And then he knew weight and he, and he's got a very solid weight, which is very important because he's a celebrity and he's famous and he must sit for pictures. So he poses. And the crazy part of this is that I think you would appreciate is that I inadvertently initially gave him the treats when he looked at me, when I was trying to take his picture. So he scans with his nose and he figured out that when he was looking at me, that's when the treat was coming versus just looking. So I can't teach him look, he can't see me, but he does know to scan, to look at me and I can take a picture. It's not completely reliable, but he does scan about and eventually he will find me and he'll look straight at me, even though he doesn't see me. And That's then amazing. I can take his picture, which works well. You talk about using your breath in your training <laughs> where you blow, I think you blow on him. Is that for coming or how are you using that? Yeah. I mean, first of all, Piglet, Piglet knows people by their breath. He is keyed into smelling people's breath. So if he goes someplace and he meets someone before masks, of course, he would smell their breath and then he would know who they are the next time he met them, if he liked them or not, he would, he would say hi or not. But he also knows our other dogs by their breath. So when they're playing, everyone wants to know, why is he looking at them when it looks like he's looking at them, but he's actually smelling their breath. And that's how he ends up facing them when he's playing some of the time, if they don't move too quickly. So blowing on him, I had seen someone else blowing to their deaf and blind dog, as long as there's no air current, you can send a stream of bad breath towards your dog. And <laughs> it did take him a little time to figure out that I meant for him to come to me uh -huh. because I had put him in a sit and wait or stay or whatever, you know, I'm not differentiating with him and wasn't sure. I think that I was actually calling him to come in and he eventually took a step towards me and I have a come, the come signals, a little swipe underneath his chin, which again, I lured him with food in my hand. And then he came to me Then I didn't need the food anymore. And I could just call him to come to me with my hand, a little swipe under his chin. But anyway, the breath works well. And it's really nice because then I don't have to go get him, but it's only good for a few feet because I can't blow that far to him. That's so you funny. Know. You know, you were in your book, you talk about at Dr. Duffy's office, who's uh, also uh, one of another good friend of ours, who a joint friend, where one of his vet techs has cilantro breath. Oh, yeah, we joke about that. <laughs> <laughs>
And I was like, boy, she must eat a lot of cilantro for oh, Piglet to identify that. with her. She loves Monica and she loves all of Monica's family. They're, uh, she's, Monica's Spanish. And so uh, we could talk about the cilantro, but that's just a joke. Oh, that's so funny though. So when Piglet goes to a new environment, whether you're going to a school or to a, a function, you know, you say that he, he, he goes in a new environment or you're in a hotel room and he initially, what you call maps the environment, meaning he, he mm -hmm. wanders around. Could you tell us a little bit how he's mapping, what behaviors he's doing? He, well, first of all, he's mapped our whole house, meaning that he knows where everything is. And the way that what he does mapping in quotes is he walks around. I just took him to a hotel on a couple of weeks ago. And when I brought him into the hotel room, he walks around, he starts walking around and with his nose, he bumps the wall, the bed, you know, whatever furniture, whatever's in his way as he's sort of making his way systematically around the room. And within only a few minutes, he's like, okay, I know where all the obstacles are. Now I can play. And then he immediately wants to play tug and I bring him toys to play with in a hotel room. It's crazy because he's been to a lot of hotels. He is very quite disabled and he, and he is limited in some of the things that he can do that he can't do, you know, but the things that he can do, he likes to do and he likes a good routine. So he, he knows when he goes into a hotel that he's going to walk around mapping the room and he uses his nose to bump. He uses his sense of smell extensively. Probably that's the most important thing for him to use to know where he is and where everything is. And then he, of course he uses his paw pads to feel where he is. So he knows like in our house, when he goes from the wood floor to the carpet or outside from the grass to the slate at the bottom of our stairs. And if we take him someplace else, he'll know where a mat is underneath the sink where maybe there's a counter and the food is coming for him. So he remembers, we took him to our friends in New Hampshire and he immediately knew where the water dish was was, which was around the corner. He knew where the mat was in front of the sink where I was preparing the food for the dogs to eat. He knew where all the chairs were in the room. He didn't bump into anything. Wow, and he even knows where a step down is. He will get to a step. He's very careful. He does not want to hurt himself. And he'll get to where there's a step down if he's paying attention. Obviously, I don't allow him to be in a situation where he would fall, but he doesn't know, say, if a step down is 10 feet or one foot. So mm -hmm. if we show him, then he knows where that is and he, he'll find it and then he'll know to jump down. And in our room on the side here, as an example of just how keyed in he is to the environment and how he uses his nose is we changed a carpet in here, which was horribly smelly, but the carpet left and there was just a flooring down and he did not want to come into the room because he wasn't sure what was here. So yeah. I had to show him again after years of him jumping into here, flying down this one step that he could still come in. There was a floor there. He wasn't going to fall into oblivion and he now is comfortable in here again. And he jumps down that step. You know, some people with blind dogs will actually put like a rug right where the step starts. Did you yeah. ever do anything? Yeah. Do that? There's a mat there. So he, so he felt, he feels it on his feet. So he knows there's a step. Yeah. It's really, it's really interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to hop on to another issue in a moment, you know, about how this little pink puppy is making a difference in dog rescue, pet adoption, and teaching children and communities about empathy, kindness, compassion, and just so much more. I want to um, get back to this and we're going to be right back after a few words from our sponsors. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. 
Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back. So let's talk about this pink adorable puppy. You know, a few years back, Melissa, you you fostered. He's a Dachshund Chihuahua Double Dapple mix, which I guess he came from a, a terrible hoarding situation. Is that right? And so you got him and initially you didn't want to keep him. You were just fostering, which is a huge amount of work and trying to find the right home. But after a while, you couldn't find the, the right home and you figured out that your home was the right home. <laughs> yeah, it happens, you know. Well, the one thing you made when you adopted him and you talk about it in your book is that you made a promise to yourself and to Piglet that he would have a meaningful and productive life. Can you tell us a little bit about what that meant, what you meant by a meaningful and productive life? Well, you know, we had so many dogs. I had to find uh, some sort of justification for keeping this dog. And there were people that wanted him. Nothing really clicked. They were very nice people. So we did, of course, end up keeping him. And as as the weeks went on, it was sort of like, you know, how now what are we how we going to do? We're going to give him away. He thinks he lives here. And I have fostered and we have fostered birds and dogs and we have given them to their new homes. We understand the the whole point of fostering is to make the dogs feel comfortable so that they can acclimate and settle and, um, you know, decompress before they then move to their new new home. And also so you understand what they're like so that you can describe them for, for potential adopters. Sure, sure. So when Piglet stayed, I said, Piglet's going to have a productive, meaningful life, meaning in my thoughts at the time that he would be an ambassador for rescue dogs and in particular rescue and shelter dogs with disabilities and special needs. Yeah, it's so awesome. I thought this is, was my idea because his Facebook page was growing. It already had thousands on it, even when he wasn't ours. My first piece of merchandise was this uh, phone case wallet, which is uh, still on my phone. I don't have any left to sell because I sold hundreds of them That's awesome. to people all around the world. And I raised, I don't know, $1,200. They sold for $4 and a dollar shipping. So you can imagine how many I sold. And I um, sent the money to Piglet's Rescue because I felt that they should be rewarded for sending him to us. Sure. And then we moved into magnets and T-shirts and other merchandise items, stickers and, and, and other items. And I was planning to send money to dog rescues. And I do have a group of dog rescue groups that I do send money to. Uh, regularly, I raised, um, I don't know if you can see my T-shirt, but this is a Piglet book shirt, but I have, I don't know, there's probably a good 13 or 14 designs of piglet piglet shirts that we sell through bonfire platform, which is a very nice platform because they drop ship. I, we just create the campaign with a design people order, and then they send the shirts after the two or three weeks that the uh, campaign goes. And then they send me the profits. So the profits, uh, before we had our nonprofit organization, which is called Piglet International Inc., I was just sending all the money that they sent me checks, and I just sent it straight out to the different dog rescues. And over the years, I probably at this point have sent a good $80,000. I raised over $100,000 selling t-shirts alone, not including all this other stuff. So I was planning to do that. That's what that meant to me. And of course, using social media to advocate for the animals and educating veterinarians because veterinarians, if you took a poll of veterinarians and showed them this dog when he was tiny and deaf and blind, I think, unfortunately, there's a good percentage of them that would have obliged and put him to sleep with uh, if it was a breeder culling dogs. So 
but then a teacher saw Piglet's videos and, as I said, wanted to show a teacher, a third grade teacher from Plainville, right? Massachusetts. Right. Yeah. Third grade teacher, Trisha Fergeau, wanted to show his videos to her students to, as part of her growth mindset lessons to show them how he faced his challenges and how they could face their own challenges in a similar way. So she called it Piglet Mindset. I didn't even know what growth mindset was, but I made her PowerPoint presentations for the first year showing Piglet doing different things. And the first one, which I just looked at yesterday because I just updated everything yesterday because Piglet Mindset is now a registered trademark for our educational program and, and also um, are advocating for rescues and, and special needs dis and disabled dogs and, and other pets. Anyway, um, the story of Piglet the Deafline Pink Puppy was the first one. And it's a very nice story of how he came to be and how he came to live with us and how he was welcomed into our home and, and how he originally learned to use what he has. And um, he doesn't know he's deaf and blind, of course, but to make his way um, despite his limitations. So I had those and then I've added to the program, adding Piglet's inclusion pack, um, a Piglet's activity collection. And also I just yesterday um, added Piglet gets a new sister to the group of PowerPoints that are available for teachers to take off of the website for free that you can download them and use them as, as part of SEL, social emotional learning lessons, growth mindset lessons and inclusion curriculum. It's a supplement, it's versatile. It goes into whatever you wanna use it for as a teacher or a scout leader or a camp director. It's awesome. Whoever, and people use it. It's used all around the country and in other countries as well outside the US. Let me just get be clear on this. So Piglet Mindset sort of like embraces like the differences, people with disabilities, don't let a disability stand in your way, face your challenges, you know, your basic ability to develop through hard work, you can accomplish empathy, optimism, and flexibility, resilience, all these kinds of things right. that we teach our children, which I think are just so important. You know, one of the things that this stood out to me is that I have a deaf child. My youngest son is, is totally deaf. He has cochlear implants. And, you know, it's interesting. He and I were talking about Piglet just the other day because he saw me reading the book and he said, dad, tell me about it. So he started looking at Piglet and he's like, he goes, wow, that's pretty amazing what this dog can do. And I said to him, I said, Sawyer, now he has cochlear implants so he can hear mechanically. But, you know, it's interesting. I also told Sawyer that how much Piglet uses his nose and my son, anytime he picks something up, the first thing he does is he smells <laughs> it. And so his nose is really so incredibly powerful, but you know, it is really such an important thing. You know, he's encountered bullying in school and um, people, what are those wires on your head? You know, kids, just some horrible things that have happened over the years. And he's had to persevere through this. And I say to him very often, I say, why blend in when you can stand out? You're a unique kid. You have your other senses. He can read lips and he has superpowers. Right. Um, right. And so, you know, we have to teach kids. And I just thought this growth mindset or this piglet mindset is such an important thing to teach children and to not let a disability stand in your way of challenges and to face them. You know, the focus of piglet mindset is a dog. And as you know, teaching using animals, animals are engaging and disarming. Yeah. And to use them as, you know, teaching models, it's highly effective. And the kids that use piglet and the, that the teachers have, have introduced them to piglet and piglet mindset, those kids are having a beautiful role model inspiration from a dog that they remember. They remember for years and years afterwards. And a lot of them will go home 
and talk about Piglet with their parents. And I know this because they comment on our Instagram and Facebook pages, the parents do about how much Piglet means to their kids. And so some of the kids have disabilities. Everyone's got some issue or another at some minute of some day, of course. But what my hope is, is that they take what they learn about Piglet and apply it then to their relationship, relationships with other children, their peers, and as well as family and friends and, and strangers they meet on the street who might be disabled or having some need for some support, compassion, and empathy. So we have all of these lessons for kids to learn and learning from a dog, I think is extra meaningful. It's so awesome. that is what I think is so nice and, and unique about Piglet and his program. And it transcends, even though Piglet Mindset is a program that was developed for children in elementary school, older kids also benefit. The program itself is versatile. Adults can watch all the materials. There's nothing babyish about it at all. Yeah. And on our pages, we have people from all around the world that send us messages. I get emails from people every single day, literally and comments and private messages to me telling me how much they look forward to seeing Piglet videos in the morning, how it helps them to get out of bed because they have a disability of some sort, an illness, awesome. they're having trouble with depression, whatever it is, and how it helps them with their own pets that they didn't think that they could keep their blind dog, but now they're, they've decided that they can, they've learned how to take care of that animal and all of these things that I can go on and on with, but people that have been injured, tell me about how they have used Piglet to inspire them each day going to rehab. They've read our book, they watch our pages, they send me notes, and, and I enjoy corresponding with them. I'm not a therapist and I'm, that's not my role, but to, to say, thanks for sharing this. I really, it's rewarding to me to know that we're making a difference that way because we spend a lot of time uh, taking videos of the dogs, posting them, and then finding meaning in everything that they do to share with everybody, both on our social media platforms, as well as with the Piglet Mindset Educational Program. So you have your lesson plans on the pigletmindset.org website, right? Right. So that's a good way for people if that were even doing their school teachers or, yes. or whoever, that's a good way to find it, pigletmindset.org. Right. You know, I just think it's such amazing what that little guy, if you ever thought that adopting this dog would do such good, it, it's amazing. And then I look on Instagram and I think it was after you were launched like on Dodo that it just exploded, right? All your followers just... And this little guy, it was warming the hearts of so many people. Yeah. I had to figure out how to get a Dodo video, which took me a little time because I was sending my inquiry and videos to the wrong place. So once I did find the right place, of course, he's a, a prime candidate for a Dodo awesome. video, his rescue and his rise to being an inspirational ambassador for people and animals and the whole message of a piglet mindset. So we actually have had three Dodo videos and those Dodo videos then attract a lot of media attention. And that's been very nice because because the more people that know about Piglet, of course, the more good we do. And, uh, and eventually, great. you know, we have our books. We were in People Magazine a number of times. And uh, we then created a nonprofit, which supports the program. So I raise a lot of money. And my ultimate goal, of course, is to be able to offer Piglet Mindset to whoever wants it, wherever they are either virtual or in-person visits. And um, I do send um, these stickers, which you can see, but a sticker of Piglet, his face to the kids. And also I have a, a Piglet's Inclusion Pack membership card, which has a picture of all the dogs on one side. And then to be a member of Piglet's Inclusion Pack, 
They have to face challenges with a positive attitude, accept others for who they are, include others despite their differences, show empathy and compassion towards others, and always be kind and considerate to all. So then they, there's a place for the kids to sign and they all get this nice little card. Nice. And so if any teacher is using Piglet Mindset and they contact me, I will send them stickers for their class and uh, membership, Piglet's Inclusion Pack membership cards. And I, and membership cards. in a lot of cases, we'll make a little video for them also saying hi to their particular class, which they enjoy, of course. Well, that's great. I mean, it's just amazing. And you can also buy the shirts and, uh, and other things on bonfire.com. Everything is on piglotmindset.org. So there's a merchandise page. There's a piglet. The unexpected story of a deaf-blind puppy and his family was published in August of 2021. So it is available wherever books are sold, but there are signed copies available that people can order. And all those details are on our website. But in addition, before we stop, I must put a little plug in for my kids' book. The book is called Piglet Comes Home. How a Deaf-Blind Pink Puppy Found His Family. And the illustrations are really killer. They're so cute. It's a little fictionalized story about Piglet um, helping to save all the other dogs, little story. And it's uh, listed for ages four to eight. But truthfully, anyone who knows Piglet should buy the book and read it to somebody, either themselves or a child, a niece or nephew, a grandchild, or donate it to a library or their, their kid's classroom, wherever, because it is a supplement to our Piglet mindset. And it's a really nice little book that I'm really hoping will will be welcomed by people in, in all areas because I love it. I can't wait to see uh, how people respond when they see it. So that is available for pre-order and, and it, all the information again is on our website, piglotmindset.org. Well, you know, Melissa, I think it is amazing what you're doing and it's so inspirational to me and I'm sure to my listeners out there, you know, I want to thank you for coming on the show today to share a little bit of your really inspiring story about Piglet. You know, I really enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Of course, I could talk about Piglet for the next four hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think it's such a great story. And so make sure you guys check out the book, check out the new children's book, go to, uh, what is it? Give me the websites again. Piglet Okay. And then our Facebook page is Piglet the Deaf Blind Pink Puppy. And Instagram is at Pink Piglet Puppy. And TikTok is at Pink Piglet Puppy. So we're there for you wherever you're looking. And for those of you who are, who are listening, you can also find, we'll put it up on our Instagram page as well at caninemaster.com. So we can do that. Well, thank you very much, Melissa. And I hope to see you again soon. Thanks so much. All right. Well, that's it for today. And I hope you found our show to be interesting. I'd love to know your comments and have you join our conversation. You can always email me at chris at caninemaster.com. Be sure to visit our website, caninemaster.com. That's C-A-N-I-N-E master.com. Click on Ask the Canine Master and leave your questions for me and I'll do my best to get back to you. I may even call you to be on the show. Send me your videos and your photos so I can see what's going on with your dog and help fix your problem. Bye for now and see you next time on Canine Master on Pet Life Radio, where I will help you master the relationship with your dog. Bye for now. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.